tonight on Rogue Podger. Oh God, these show notes are so long. <laughs> Chalice's new pet. It's Namir. Hey, we know that place. And Roach does not want forearmed hugs, and she is missing out. She is missing out. So much missing out. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 9, standing by. Welcome to Season 16, Mission 3, Episode 133 of Rogue Podron. Tonight is the third installment yes. of Twilight Podron. Uh, so we'll be doing chapters 19 through 13. But first, a quick reminder of your host, since we did take last week off for some much-needed R&R. If Ash, Rogue 9, was a famous clown... I'm so sorry about these. What? Um, <laughs> she... <laughs> She would be all right. So good episode, everyone. <laughs> I just got, I just remembered. Just remembered. I have a thing. Nope. I'll, nope. I'll, I gotta go. Nope. She would be Mister Mime because she's just gonna do her own thing. And f you if you don't like it. Also looks tough, but is very sensitive. <laughs> Wait, looks tough. Yeah, Mister Mime looks tough. You look tough. <laughs> this is news to me, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Which part about you or Mr. Mime? <laughs> Both? Both. Mr. Mime's scary. I don't know what you're talking about. Does, isn't Ash's mom's Pokemon Mr. Mime? Yeah. 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 Danny. For a second, I thought you were talking about my mother. Yeah, I, 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 where are you going with this? No. Ash Ketchup's mom. Ash Ketchup's mom. I'm your mom, and my Pokemon is not Mr. Mime. <laughs> Danny, <laughs> who has officially blacked out at this point, <laughs> would be Ronald McDonald because they enjoy sitting on benches in nice parks and birds can rest there with them. <laughs> I hate it, but I'm fine with it. <laughs> oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm glad that that's the direction you went with Ronald. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't want to make him too terrifying. Uh, Seth, Rogue 7, would be... Danny, Rogue 6, would be Ronald McDonald, because there may be a cop? (laughs) What? I didn't even think about that, but no, you're not a cop. (laughs) Seth, Rogue 7, would be Pietro from Animal Crossing, because she's a sheep dressed as a rainbow clown who is... Real cute, but controversial in the game industry. <laughs> You're not wrong about that. <laughs> okay, hang on. Because I'm like only 10 hours into this game. Am I about to have a clown sheep come to my Not necessarily. Island? No. Like, there's a lot of villagers. You Unless may not you get really lucky. <laughs> uh, my Why am I watching this co-host Lizzie has him, and I'm trying to steal him. <laughs> I might have to burn my switch if that happens. <laughs> Heath Rogue 3, who's still in the woods, would be Pennywise from It because he's from yep. the Northeast and <laughs> will now probably only appear in public to party in about 27 years. <laughs> yep. 
And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I would be Krusty the Clown, because I sure know how to go from jaded depression to smiley happy on air. What a mood. That's <laughs> such a mood. There's a very specific mood, but it's a mood I understand. It's a, it's a mood. We all know. <laughs> Every podcaster knows this mood. We know this mood. <laughs> so... Speaking of clowns... Speaking of a lot of face um, paint. (laughs) This actually works, yeah. Speaking of clowns and face paint, I have a question about Star Wars. Cool. Um, It's not face paint, that's his skin, Meg. It's Ray Park and face paint. Okay, fair. Um, I have a question about Maul. Woo! Um, So we're like midway through the Siege of Mandalore right now, which is... um, well, I hate to say this, but like, actually, really kind of good, and I'm kind it's, of enjoying it. But that's not the it's point. really good. It it was so bold of Clone Wars to become a great show in its last two episodes. Y'all can shut the <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> the Clone Wars defender is logged on, and it's Seth. <laughs> I love the Clone Wars. Only said that because I'm a tick. And Seth. I'm <laughs> quietly standing behind Seth, like loving the Clone Wars, but trying not to be seen. I love the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm not even in the Clone Wars party, so yeah, like... Mika's Mika's ass. So, anyways, I just so it just blows my mind. What's the question? The question is: Can you believe that, like, ten years ago, someone at Cartoon Network? No, we know who it was. Dave and George were like, it was George. It was 100 bring... percent just George. Let's bring Maul back to life is... with spider legs. Isn't the story <laughs> now it... like? Isn't ten years later like that sequence has like a huge impact on the Star Wars lore and canon that we're seeing today? But isn't the story like George basically told Dave Filoni Maul's coming back, and Filoni went how, and he said that's your problem. Goodbye. Yeah. Like- no, that's what George Lucas does. Like people are constantly like Filoni does this thing all the time, and he's like he learned that from the master of doing that. Like, right. This is George Lucas's entire jam is just being like <laughs> I know. Okay. BT dubs, Darth Maul is coming back, and you're going to figure out how to make that work. It's fine. It's fine. As, as the person who is usually left to figure those things out, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no. As as a game writer who usually comes into the story, like, gets hired on the last month, like, hey, we need a story. Here's all of our stuff. Like, <laughs> God damn it, George. You're, li- you're like the like person it. who is super confused at the end of Solo. <laughs> Yeah, oh my god, I love yes. that. The people in the cinema who were so confused by that, that was like the one good part about Solo. Anyways, Danny, I actually have a lot of thoughts about this, but I'm not going to get too serious on it. Um, I actually really, really... Oh, but you should. Uh... That's why I asked the question about Star Wars. Yeah, okay, so I had like this whole emotional moment while watching the second episode of Siege of Mandalore about Maul and Ahsoka and both how like, they were both like, Maul was like brought back. <laughs> it was like a random villain who got cut in half right and he died and it was fine and then Ahsoka was like this padawan who got brought in and like everyone was like what the fuck this doesn't make any sense she's not even in the movies and these two characters like over (laughs) the last decade have become like these massive like multi-dimensional amazing characters who are such like a huge influence on Star Wars in general now and they're both kind of like not exactly mirror images of each other but like they influence each other so much and they are like basically the main characters of the clone wars like you don't see more in a lot of episodes but he is one of like the biggest characters of it he gets built up through it 
Like, he's definitely he's, like a main antagonist. Yeah, he's like, like one of the main main antagonists. Um, but he's kind of like an anti-hero too, in a way. Well, and he is the antagonist of like the final episodes, which are a summation of the entire series of the show. Yeah, but the thing is, he's not entirely an antagonist because I mean, I'm not going to spoil You're it. Right. But what he's trying to do <laughs> isn't necessarily it. isn't necessarily villainous. Um, yeah. In the same boy, way, in, in Rebels, like he's not actually bad. It's just his things don't necessarily mean good things. Um, it it kind of gives a whole new like perspective on him in rebels because like yeah. he knows about spoiler alert revenge of the sith is a thing that's gonna happen and maul yeah. knows about it like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know why i'm worried about spoiling that like it's something <laughs> revenge of the sith happens i saw um, this really interesting post i was talking about how maul how normally like a character the audience surrogate would be somebody like ahsoka because we don't know what's gonna happen but in the siege of mandalore the audience surrogate is maul because we know what's going to happen and nobody else does. And Maul's the only one mm. that, like, knows what's about to go down. And knows that, like, he's fighting a fight that's useless. The interesting thing not- is there is that, you're right, Maul is the audience surrogate there. But also, like, Ahsoka's the person that, like, we want to be. Like, we want to believe that things will go well and we want to believe that Anakin is we- good. Yeah. And we know that there is nothing but sadness. Yeah, down we know this road. that Mola's right, but we, well, we and want that, Ahsoka to be right. Well, it makes all those moments like this is one of the cases where, like, I do, I do have a kind of a thing against prequels because when you know where the story's going to end, I find it kind of uninteresting in certain in certain cases. I think the Clone Wars did a really good job by one introducing this entirely new relationship and doing uh, in Anakin and Ahsoka. And doing a lot to build on that relationship, so you feel you you know where it's going, and you know that it's tragic, so you feel for Ahsoka, and like that's oh, the way I that you should do a, pre- a prequel is focus entirely on the character because this, we already know how the story is going to end. The plot is not necessarily the the important part of the story, right? So have I have e- I mentioned before how much I love tragic prequels? <laughs> yes, <laughs> literally every I think time it might I have talk come to up you. Once or twice. <laughs> Oh, this is so, this is the so, good shit. Um, so I so love. Then I have a, I have a question, Saf, with you talking about Ahsoka and Maul. Does that make yeah. them a force diet? I think so. Honestly, <laughs> like I know Maul yeah. has an obsession with Obi Wan, but like him and Ahsoka are the ones that keep coming together. I mean, like she doesn't really meet him until this point, but like in well, right, stuff. I darkness think, rises in the light to meet his, it. Yeah, his relationship with Obi Wan, I think, is different. Yeah, then, that's like, that's very like it. It's not really a mirror in the force kind of thing, right? It's, yeah, like him and Ahsoka very much are because like she came from the light side, but she kind of ends up not in the middle, but like she's not fully Jedi. She's just kind of like disillusioned right. by the Jedi, but she's obviously not dark side. Whereas Maul is on the right, other side, but like obviously he became like, disillusioned by the Sith, but he's not right, like exactly. Well, in the it's middle. really interesting. They're both people that got cast out from their order, right? Yeah, right. That's a really interesting parallel. Yeah, like everything yeah. about it is like and they both kind of believe in it, but are also kind of like uh, yeah. The, the, the but the way it goes, they're is- like they're like those people that are like, well, I, I believe in Christianity in theory, but like in practice, it's a whole lot of horseshit. They're, they're uh, force agnostic, right? Would that be yeah, the right term? Yeah, basically, and like they could, there's that they could they, they like, believe in the philosophy, but not the the institution behind it. If they yeah. weren't so like opposed, like opposing forces, they could like change how the force works basically i feel like if they actually like teamed up which they're not gonna do obviously because they're like on opposing sides um and like the story itself pushes them against each other but like right the two viewpoints of the force could actually like become one in a way and the fact that we're never gonna see that happen is quite tragic honestly like like, Like, it's such interesting characters 
Yeah. Like, as much like, as, if as they I had dislike... it met in the war, yeah, it would have been different. Like, as much as I dislike the concept of a gray Jedi, like, in, the- in, in like, practice, um, they really are, like, the closest I think we've ever really gotten to a gray Jedi. Because they're yeah. not Jedi or Sith. They're, and that's like, exactly and Maul is it, like, definitely I- one... It's like, the Force is a gradient, and Maul is mm-hmm. closer to the dark side, and Ahsoka is closer to the light side, but they're not fully white or not, not fully black, you know? Yeah. yeah. They're, e- they're equal... They're equidistant from the center, but also equidistant from the ends, therefore creating yeah. a dyad in the Force. <laughs> they are a yes. dyad in the Force. I think I fully believe this now that Ahsoka and Maul are dyads in the Force. And I dig that a lot. Because they do, they balance each other out so much. Um, and, like, actually getting to see them, like, them coming together in the final act of Star Wars just seems so fitting. Not Star Wars, in the Clone Wars. It seems extremely <laughs> I mean, it is, fitting. it is Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. It's the final act of Star Wars. Honestly, like, well, oh, I've been waiting my, I feel like I've been waiting my entire life for this arc, and it's finally happening. And well, it's like, at first I was like, Ahsoka and Maul doesn't make any sense. And then seeing them together, I was like, this makes all the sense. This is, of course, how the Clone Wars has to end. Well, it's really interesting because it's like we know that the main antagonist of Obi-Wan Kenobi's life really is Maul in a lot of ways. Like, Maul killed his master and, oh, Vader exists. That was kind of a dumb thing to say. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, there are so many things. Obi-Wan has many enemies. One of the main antagonists in Obi-Wan's life. But we already kind of know that dynamic. That, and we know how that ends, too. Like, we know because of twin sons. And it's really interesting. Like, Maul and Obi-Wan's relationship is very different from Ahsoka and Maul's relationship. Like, right. Maul, for you, with Obi-Wan, it's way more personal because Maul killed his master and the love of his life. And, and also Obi-Wan killed Maul. Well, and Obi-Wan killed Maul. Maul. Yeah. Right. But I also always kind of viewed that as kind of a one-sided rivalry. Right, like, yeah, Maul yeah. Maul shows yeah. up and Obi-Wan's like, oh, you're back? I right. killed you. Like, Maul, he's like, Maul trying to swat always... a fly that won't go away. Yeah, and, Maul... like, by the time he comes to Tatooine, Obi-Wan is just like, oh, I just need to put you out of your misery so that we can stop having this conversation. That's basically right. what it is in Twin Sons, yeah. Yeah. Like, Maul is always running after Obi-Wan, but, like, Obi-Wan really couldn't give a shit. Like, yeah, he wasn't well, even he on Mandalore to, to stop, he wasn't even on Mandalore to stop Maul, he was there to get Satine and then dip. Right, like, like he's so, just, he just has to deal with Maul because Maul keeps coming after him. And he's just like, and it really oh is, my god! <laughs> I think Maul is a constant challenge to his, like, Jedi faith as well. Yeah. Um, because, like, killing Qui-Gon. He could have, like, gone fully, like, dark side, basically, in revenge for that. Um, and then killing Satine. He could have done the same thing, but he doesn't. And he manages to, like, by the point that, like, more comes to and he's just like, I don't have any resentment towards you. I'm just, like, tired kind of thing. And, like, <laughs> right, and, and with, that's, that's big and with, like, Obi-Wan, who does see things in absolutes as much as he's like, only Sith do in absolutes. But like, Obi-Wan is very much like, this is good and this is bad. And so for Maul to like, be this person who constantly pushes back against like, what is good is also probably a frustrating point for him because he's just like, no, it's just bad. I don't want to talk about it. Like, you're bad. (laughs) This is bad. Like, just leave me in an area where it's black and white and easier to deal with. (laughs) Meg, it's very clear that you you aren't in the Clone Wars uh, if you think that about (laughs) Obi-Wan. I do. Um, Also, like, one thing about that is that Maul is kind of meant to help like push obi-wan so he contrasts more with anakin because they both lose the the person they love but obi-wan goes the other way to anakin (laughs) anakin kind of just like loses his shit and becomes darth vader as we know um Mm -hmm. and maul is just kind of like 
uh, <laughs> I want to say a fulcrum. <laughs> but, you know, he's just, he's just kind it. of there to... Do it. He's just like a fulcrum for, like, their lives. I don't <laughs> oh know. Oh my gosh, you said the thing. I said the thing. Um, and I guess in a way, like, Ahsoka's kind of like that as well. Uh, like, in the end, they're not the people that drive Obi-Wan and Anakin in the end. Uh, but they're both, like, really important to those relationships in their own ways. Also, I just... Well, I feel like... I love Maul so much. I feel like we should probably apologize to our listeners, because that was, like, almost ten minutes of actual Star Wars discussion and analysis. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, sorry about which that. Is, which, is, which is not what they're here for, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, nobody comes to us for that. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. <laughs> I, I I mean, don't tell anyone, but I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's me that takes over now. Yeah, it's me. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why is my mic so quiet? Who cares? All right. Well, good thing we got all of our feelings and sadness out of the way. Yeah, now we can just talk about good, happy things. And just talk about, like, totally cool, like, really stable characters who just, like, have it all together Nice, totally chill. Nice, good, wholesome Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're here for is the good Star Wars wholesome content. (laughs) I can't even think of a Star Wars book where all the characters have their shit together. <laughs> I don't think that that would defeat the purpose of Star Wars, honestly. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Inferno Squad, they kind of all do. I mean, they're very much on the wrong side, but they're very efficient in what they're doing. Okay. You're not wrong. Okay, okay. You're not wrong. What about I Jedi? So, no, I don't even remember I Jedi. <laughs> I don't even remember anything about no, that. Except Corrin Hori did not have his shit together at any he, point. He's been he like a year finding does. his wife. He thought he had his shit together. That's different. He was like, this is what you do. This is it's, the process. It is so weird that I've gotten to a point in my life where I feel somewhat of a kinship with Cornhorn, mostly because oh, we no. share the same call sign, because I'm an I idiot. I was like, Ash, is, pick the wrong is your one. wife missing? Ash, we're recording right now. <laughs> Ash, is your you wife missing? You understand that we're recording, yes. <laughs> this is what happens when you hang out with Ben Ferretliciously Urso for three years. <laughs> you become Cornhorn. You like Cornhorn? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised that Meg hasn't started to warm up to him after all of her time with dinner. Never. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, I have, I am so stubborn about certain things, and apparently one of those things is is cornhorn. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to my I grave. Don't, I don't think man. you're the stubborn one in that particular situation. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, you clearly have the more agreeable opinion about cornhorn here. <laughs> He's kind of a piece of shit. I like him in the New Jedi Order. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh god. Anyways, that should be someone's dating bio. <laughs> yeah, kind of a piece of shit. Good in New Jedi Order. <laughs> Likeable in the New Jedi Order. <laughs> so we're on Planet Sullust, fifteen days before Plan K one zero, whatever that is. SP four seven five used to dread inspections, but now she knows that there's nothing personal in being called out. It just means that she has an error to fix. She only joined the. Stormtroopers initially to support her family, but now she can see herself staying forever. Command has issued a mm. warning about the cobalt, co- cobalt, co- cobalt. How do you say that? Yeah, cobalt. Okay, You're cobalt, right. cobalt. <laughs> Laborers Union. Apparently, they're trying to hit up the Rebel Alliance. Mm. Well, hey, this feels a little bit too real, so I'm going to read it. Apparently, I wrote these notes two weeks ago, so this is a fun ride for all of us. Uh, Great. Cobalt is just a metal, right? Like I think it's no, it's a color. Like a table. Oh, it's also a color. Number twenty-seven. It's a blue color. <laughs> Number twenty-seven. Do you just know that off the top of your head? Do you not know the what if I did? periodic table? That'd be amazing. 
Where is it? Where is it? Memorize the names. Okay. It's not a metal, though. It's like a mineral, isn't it? It's a mineral. Memorize the names on display. Nian Num, Sientiv, Korjin, Tain, Malakwa. These are rebels with known ties to Celest. They are potential infiltrators. They may be smuggling in arms and equipment for a full-on revolution. This was the part of the job that SP-475 hated. She stared at the holograms, tried to lock the shapes of eyes and chins and ears into her brain, but on the street she'd be forced to make choices, take men and women into custody for hours or days because they looked just enough like her targets, waste their time in the time of the interrogation officers. That feels a little bit too real, honestly. I I realize why I wrote that now. (laughs) So hey, the Imperials are just like our normal police force in the real life. All Imperials are bastards. All Imperials are bastards. (laughs) Yeah, I can't think of one counterexample. Yeah. Uh, the lieutenant is about to continue his talk when the garrison alarm blares. The enemy has attacked. Oh, no. Just because just it's, it's really cool, the description of- No, this of... is good because the enemy of, oh, of the Imperials right, right, is right, 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 Yeah, yeah, right, yeah right. no, we like, yeah, yeah. The, we like this enemy. <laughs> okay. I expect. Uh, just because the description is really cool about um, Pinyam. Uh, the cave city of Pinyam is beneath the surface on the southern side of Inusutor, a volcanic peak shelled in obsidian- fucking sick uh i just like that a lot despite the security around the magma processing factory from stormtroopers to worker psychological profiling the machinery is vulnerable just one person needs to stuff the wrong pipe with chemical soaked rags though there only needs to be one yes i was just saying i love the i love the planet celeste and it's it you know like it's just very different yeah it's really cool the the mining operations and the um, like the fact that it's just like a volcanic planet, but it's not Mustafar. It's cool. Yeah, it's a very different kind of volcanic it's like planet. Habitable, right? And like has production and things like that. Like, well, I guess Mustafar has those bug bug dudes. But like, what is a magma processing plant? Like, what do you process the magma into? Uh, minerals, the different yeah, the different Other minerals and magma. elements that it comes out of. Oh, so because like, there's a lot of stuff apart? in magma. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's actually not that's too cool. dissimilar from how you manufactured like steel. Yeah, I do not know anything about manufacturing steel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to disappoint really? anybody. I'm so but... surprised. Well, that would be on Meg's list of top five skills. <laughs> <laughs> I know I give off that impression. However, <laughs> I feel like so, every time we record, I have to just drop a fun fact about like material production, like putting wood in a great. kiln or. <laughs> It's really helpful because none of the rest of us are dropping fun facts about material production. Like, these are things I know vaguely in the back of my mind, but they're not there for me. They don't exist for me. You're the one that knows things. Right, like, I know people make steel, but I don't know what that means. I don't know if I even knew that much. <laughs> they just find steel yeah, fully forged and, like, and make some steel, steel and get some steel. They just, the they just find stainless steel sinks in the dirt. Look, look, okay. My there's parents, an egg, they, there's a steel egg, and you They never egg. sat me down to have the talk about the steel. Everything I know about it is just, like, gleaned from what I've seen on popular media, so, like, my understanding of where steel comes from is, might be a little bit skewed. That's dangerous. We need to have better steel. We better need to have better material production education in our, in our <laughs> it's, it's actually... It's, it's a real virus. Funnily enough, it's actually wrong. really important, because we found out a couple years ago, a major Japanese steel manufacturing plant was putting out 
faulty material that's used in like our trains today. So. Oh, that's yeah. not great. That's bad. That's bad. In fact, I mean, it probably is a. See, huge I didn't thing even know there could be STDs. <laughs> <laughs> steel but apparently, steel transmitted diseases is a thing. Who knew? <laughs> I apologize for everything I've ever said. <laughs> no, don't that's trust useful. me. Do not. I take back that apology in in your name. <laughs> I'm just like shoving it back in your mouth. It's take it back. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> God damn it! Wow, Ash is getting so many Rogue Potter merit badges today. Yeah. Oh, it's happening! It's happening! You're gonna get the material production merit badge. <laughs> None of us <laughs> are going to. <laughs> You'll be the first one. We've we've all been sitting around waiting to see who is going to get the material production merit badge for 130 episodes. Congrats, it's you, Ash. So although there only needs to be one person for the sabotage, SP-475 isn't going to assume anything about how many saboteurs there are. Other and more experienced teams take the factory itself. So she spends a day blocking Pinyum Street and searching random civilians with the authority to indefinitely detain anyone she see- she deems suspicious. She hopes Yikes. she won't need it. Uh, mm. Later in the day, she starts receiving raid warrants, raiding places with other troopers who've been assigned the same. Cooperative residents get to observe, but any who resist are arrested. SP-475 wonders if the raids are random or if the ISB has leads she's not clear to know about. They're probably random. For the rest of her shift, she's assigned to sentry duty with SP-156. He asks if she thinks anyone died at the facility, and she replies briefly, briskly, because non-essential chatter is against regulation. She doesn't want to get in trouble. Then he asks her if she thinks that their side killed anyone down in Pinyum. She stays totally silent there. After her shift, Thara is exhausted and just wants to sleep. Remember that SP-475 is called Thara. Uh, instead, she promises to deliver more stuff to- she promised- to deliver more stuff to her uncle, so she's going to do that. She spent all week making purchases and stashing them, and the folks at the cantina are relying on her. The cantina is real busy because of the raids. The workers have nowhere else to go until the ISB lets them return home. Thara wishes she'd thought to bring more food, clothes, and a heater. Her uncle takes the bag, and she realizes that everyone is staring at her. They're scared, so she just says that she'll go. She doesn't mean to scan the room as she leaves, but she does. She sees people with smuggled rations and injuries and an empty empty duffel bag under a table. No evidence of anything, and besides, she's off duty. But if someone else is supplying the pinyon workers, someone with money and resources, she can't ignore that forever. Let me just Boy, say... That's awkward. Let me just say, she's absolutely a cop. So like, She's, she's a, cop. a cop! She's like literally a but, cop. Right. But also let me say... In case this wasn't abundantly clear to all of our listeners, fuck ice. <laughs> yeah, big, big fuck to ice. Because that's what this is right now of like, oh, these are probably random searches that like cops show up at and need to like talk to everybody, blah, blah, blah. We're going to hold people indefinitely because they're not allowed to like be here and shit like that. So like, sorry. No evidence Tara. behind it. They just do it. Right. Like, sorry, but, Thara, oh. you're all, you're on the wrong side. Yes. Yeah, there's a reason that everyone in the cantina is looking at you like you're a cop. It's because you're a cop. Because you're a cop. Because <laughs> you're a cop. Like, yes, you're you're doing something, you're helping out your uncle, that's great, but that's not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> you still work for the institution that is doing this. So. Yep. Yeah, you are supporting it, and you are also rating like you're part of it all it's not great 
So more often than not, nope, I missed where nope. we're going. Three light years off the Corellian trade spine hyperlane, 14 days before plan K10. It's really good that you didn't forget to say that because that is like really helpful for like me understanding where this is taking place and what time things are happening. Just like really, really useful words giving me context. Look, honestly, paying attention to the times that things are happening is is kind of important in this book. As if I do it. So is there if there's a spine hyperlane, is there like a femur hyperlane and like other other bone related hyperlanes? (laughs) I mean it's kind of kind of vertebrate centric to to name something the spine hyperlane. Yeah, like <laughs> what else it speaks to a larger problem in the galaxy where where vertebrate species are seen as greater that's, than. That's really true because they definitely act that way. Which leads to another question that I can't believe I've never thought of before. But uh, are Mont Calamari vertebrates? No. So they don't have spines. But they, they walk have... on two feet, right? I don't know. They I don't know walk about... on. They walk on eight tentacles shoved into human pants and boots to give the illusion of walking on two feet. Um, Do you think they have artificial spines that they to help them give the illusion that they're walking upright? And they have like chitinous like shells and protection that like keeps them upright. Oh, okay, it's chitin. Yeah, yeah. like their forearms and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like inside is all the soft and squished though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But don't forget that the females have boobs. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's they've the got their flotation sex. Is <laughs> <laughs> the flotation sex <laughs> right? Yeah, because men don't men men's men's flotation sacks are down lower in the groin. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. We that's called convergent evolution. <laughs> <laughs> Fun science. Where it's just a coincidence that multiple species evolved to have <laughs> these. These areas of their bodies be someone cut me off, please. <laughs> well, it's like okay, it's like with the crabs. Like a bunch of different species have evolved into crabs, even though they're not related. Just crabs are like the ideal life form, apparently. Apparently having apparently having titties that, is the same thing. Does that make yeah. a mon calamari I mean, like a super crab? Like it's just a <laughs> yeah. But Why? I mean, okay. okay. Speaking if of actually being a crab and having and having titties is like the ideal life form. You're right. Like, I'm right. I, I have nothing to argue about. Okay, but speaking of crabification in the real world, why aren't there more crab species in Star Wars? Because that would make logical sense. Okay, listen. Dinner and I talked about similar things to this. Like, Star Wars is like did. too human centric because, like, they're because they've out- got to fit actors and costumes, right? But like, they're they're just like missing out. On, like, a huge market. This wasn't, like, really about crabs. We are just talking about, like, why isn't there more, like, space diversity? Because, like, you think that Star Wars hasn't even cashed in on the furry community yet. Like, we know it's just events. <laughs> and Dave, how is like, Dave Filoni not any... made a wolf character? Like, That's the problem. <laughs> is that, like, Dave makes wolves, but he doesn't make wolf people. And it's just like, that's such an easy buy. You already have Shistaven. No, 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 no. Because when like... you start doing wolf people, you start getting close to Bothans. And that's just dangerous Chewbacca territory. Chewbacca has entered the chat. But then, like, you what also furries get, like, into you Chewbacca. Fox, like Fox related thing. Like you can rip off so many like I just make them like kinda human and people are will go crazy for it, but Star Wars is cowards and they're like, No. 
no we're just gonna george make lucas humans. specifically and the contract he wrote for disney was like no furries no furries <laughs> no furry shit like <laughs> listen george that is discriminatory <laughs> We have such opportunity. Like, we already have shift events. We already have, like, um, whatever Bosk is for the for the Scalies. And, like... Is no. Pulacoon Look, Okay, I just want to talk about Krabs. We have, we have those hot cat dads from the Lando comics. Oh, the hot, the hot Puma guys. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. Those hot cat dads will never see the light of day, unfortunately. <laughs> they should. I agree. Thank you, Charles hot, Soul, like, for giving us those like, hot cat like anime, Like, <laughs> anime is, like, fully realizing their furry audience right now with, like, the with the creation of Beastars. So, like, come on, See, the thing is, the thing is, I'm actually okay with Star Wars not introducing all these weird nerd boys <laughs> to being furries, because we saw what happened with My Little Pony, and I don't I don't want that again. <laughs> did, did we see, What? Wait. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, Danny, don't. Do you not know about bronies? No. Oh, oh, God. My. I mean, I'm familiar with the term bronies. Yeah. Mm. They don't the thing is is that they don't think that they are the ponies. They're just very Oh no, some of them make per- pony sonas. There's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. They but like they don't think that they are like Twilight Sparkle or things like that. <sighs> some of them do. I was just reminded that I dated don't, a brody. Though. Thanks y'all. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Ash. Welcome. I know because I had to work conventions at the height of this. So. Yeah, I had a I had a weird dude in high school who was really you, into me. You he was an extreme brony. You do not know how many My Little Pony panels I've had to moderate in my life. So, like. See, yeah, I don't want that happening with Star Wars. Is the thing. Yeah, I don't want the I bronies think, coming to Star Wars. I don't know. I want. I no, they're already in Star Wars though. <laughs> like, yeah, but I don't want to see like people talking about like they're, I mean, they're probably to Star Wars characters. Oh god! Oh god. Insert <laughs> toxic group of people X. They're already somewhere in Star Wars, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, but I don't need to see them making furries. Is my point? Yeah, but like there are so many really positive things about the furry community that I think would actually be a really good influence on Star Wars fandom. No, I'm I mean, worried about. Sincerely. I'm worried about the 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 right wing people instead they of already... like. They already exist in Star Wars, though. I know, <laughs> I know. The problem the is that I don't want them getting obsessed with furries and then, like, getting into the furry community and then making the furry community have to deal with them, is my point. Mm. Okay, I don't want okay. it to go backwards. I'm not worried about the furries Fair. coming in Star Wars. Okay. I'm worried about the Star Wars people becoming furries and going Star Wars is already a cesspool. Anyways, like, yeah, what I wanted. <laughs> we don't need to infect other fandoms with what we want. Okay. We just need to stay. Okay. Anyways, my point is... quarantine the Star my point Wars is, fandom. My point is, where are the crab people? <laughs> well said okay anyway speaking of crabs more often than not twilight company funerals are performed with no bodies <laughs> okay i'm just, just gonna like make crabs. every just, i'm just gonna make just every like segue i do on this i'm just gonna make speaking every segue i do on the podcast and speaking of crabs you're always stealing my things <laughs> Sometimes there are no bodies left, usually because Twilight is a mobile infantry and bodies are decidedly immobile. <laughs> mm. um, okay, so I need someone to be Hober and someone to be Twitch. Who wants to be her? You don't actually have to find it in the book. I've written it all here. Oh, I'll be Hober then. Who wants to be Twitch? Hober sounds like Twitch. an old man. You'll be Twitch? <clears throat> Does Twitch have a fun voice? Uh, you can make her have a fun voice. 
What are some quick personality traits about Torx uh, that she, might she's, influence how she talks? She's sharp and bitter. Sharp and bitter? Yeah. Okay, I can work with that. All right. Okay. Dramatic reading, kind of. Uh, others waited outside. We're at a funeral right now. Listening to Hober's voice broadcast across the ship. Sergeant Maximin Ajak. Hober proclaimed. Twitch shoved her way forward and stood be- before Hober. Bleeding roughneck till the end, she said, sharp and bitter. Mm, that wasn't bitter. Let me try that again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Ble- How do you sound bitter? Blee. 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 Bitter. Uh, I'm mad. I'm mad. Bleeding roughneck till the end. That wasn't very sharp. That was kind of like, you know, bleeding roughneck till the end. Mm. Uh, okay. I'll I'll work with one of those. Okay, one of those will work. Okay, cool. She said, sharp and bitter. Sharp and bitter. Those are, like, contradictory. No, they're not. I know. Why are they? Why if you're they talking about flavors, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I don't think Namir is licking her as she's saying this. I don't know what Namir is doing. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past Namir. Oh, anyways. Kind of a weirdo. The the point of that that little tiny reading <laughs> was the attitude of Twilight Company. Tell us <laughs> more about the point of that reading. <laughs> Why do I bother? <laughs> it was to it was to steer us away from a conversation about crabs. I think I wouldn't even steer us away from that. All of this entire ah, this entire okay. thing. Yeet. <laughs> Sam yeeted herself from the car. This entire actual like. Alphabet Squadron, this is an Alphabet Squadron, Twilight Company, is actually going to lead to crabs in the end. <laughs> Just a spoiler alert. <laughs> it's like poetry, it rhymes. rhymes. <laughs> it always comes back to the crabs. Always comes back to the crab. I like to think and that George Lucas just has a giant crab painted on his wall. Oh, I like hope like, That's the point. That's the whole point he of has, Star Wars. He has so many walls, I'm sure a crab is on one of them. I really hope so. <laughs> Anyways, the point of this is that... Uh, That's our listener question for this week. I'm sure everyone has. <laughs> how, many, how many walls do you think George Lucas has? And what is on them? <laughs> Don't forget that, because we might forget that by the end. <laughs> um, so the point of that is basically Twilight Company very much does the thing of, like, they act tough, but they really care about each other. But all they really have Weird. is to be dicks to each other, because they all die. That's like us. Yeah. Well, we're not fighting a war, but, you know, otherwise, yeah. Aren't we, though? Aren't we, though? I'm not. Like, metaphorically. I'm not. <laughs> well, that's nice for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the rest of us no live in America. No wonder we've been losing this whole time. <laughs> Come on, Seth, pull your weight. <laughs> I don't have much oh, weight boy. to pull, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> I was really talking about it. my backpack, Mig. <laughs> it's a very small backpack. all right still on like page one (laughs) let's keep going the clubhouse is always packed after a funeral and now is no different it's a place for distraction namir needs his own kind of distraction and the clubhouse is not providing that he's with his squad as they play cards and roach asks him when he leaves with howl chalice roger and beak roach wants to know if he's going to meet the princess she'd seen leia on a pirated holovid once before Mm. Oh, apparently I wanted to make this a dramatic reading, so we're going to do that. (laughs) 
The clubhouse was always packed after a funeral. The card games had higher stakes and the contraband drinks were more plentiful. It wasn't a place for private or somber grief. It was a place for distraction, and the impromptu wakes ended in brawls as often as not. Nimir had his own need for distraction, but the clubhouse wasn't providing it. He sat with a squad and forced a bitter smile when Roach asked when he was leaving. Tomorrow morning, he said. Howl, Chalice, me, Roha, and Beak. Wish me luck on the shuttle ride. Beak is a fine saucer, <laughs> Gadrin said. And Roha is Roha. There are worse comrades to have. Namir snorted. <laughs> They're not who I'm worried about. You gonna meet the princess? Ash. Nope, no, that's not Ash. <laughs> Roach asked. Her voice oh, was even quieter than usual. That wasn't quiet at all. It's fine. Charmer laughed. Bran shook her head. Gadrin, however, gestured briskly for silence. You mock! He said. But who here was not inspired by one of the great... <laughs> it's just like it, it evolves it like transforms through the course of the sentence now you know how runt felt <clears throat> but who here has not inspired by one of the great heroes of the rebellion or if not of the rebellion heroes of time past charmer bowed his head smirking wish i'd been he stammered out the words but maintained the smile Good enough to blow a Death Star when I was young, but I'm too old for idols. It was just a question, Roach muttered. I saw her on a pirated holovid once. Namir for Namir's forced smile was becoming a grimace. Bran glanced his way and offered what might have been a look of sympathy. For my part, <laughs> <laughs> his voice conciliatory, meditating, mediating. I am merely glad the Alliance sees a future, even if I cannot. If Governor Trellis can provide a means to change the course of this war, dot, dot, dot. That was the pattern of conversation for the evening. One by one, Twilight soldiers said their goodbyes to Namir, wished him safe travels, and asked what he expected to find at Rebel headquarters. Men he barely knew speculated about the base's location, told him rumors of an asteroid fortress or an underwater city before offering up their hopes for the future. Namir felt the desperation yep. under the, I think that's the it. questions. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You didn't actually tell us when we were stopping. <laughs> we're stopping. We're stopping. Because it's just a bunch of big chunk of narration after that for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's okay. You'll get more. You'll get more. Great. Okay. Well, that was the thing. We did that. Uh <laughs> sure did. We did it. Yep. Sure did. <clears throat> Namir's grumpy, uh, but he doesn't want to darken the mood because he's being taken from the company when they need him most. There's no place for him at the rebel base. <sighs> Medeu passes Namir a bottle of strong hooch of some kind. She's been extra nice to Namir since he saved her life outside the airlock. This helps him endure the evening. Twitch throws the first punch of the night when someone blames Ajax for Fictrin's death. Namir is surprised to see Roach as one of the people trying to calm Twitch down. After the fight, Twitch, remember the, the sharp and better one. <clears throat> After the fight, Namir finds herself in the corner, himself in the corner of a mostly empty clubhouse with Brand. She tells him to behave himself and gives him a data chip in case of emergency. He tells her to look after the company for him. Namir sleeps for an hour before getting up and packing his gear. 
As a kid, he'd learn how to sleep no matter the situation. Not that sleep necessarily guarantees rest. He heads to the mess before he's also learned, because he's also learned to eat no matter what. He's a smart man, and we should all follow that advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Namir would do really well during a global pandemic. Yeah. Chalice is in the mess when he arrives. He gets his food and sits at a table adjacent to her. She tells him that he shouldn't have listened to the droid about his breakfast, because I guess the droid offered... I couldn't I couldn't find anything about this. I guess the droid was like, here, have this for breakfast. Anyways, and she explains how to make a better one with the scraps available. She's supposed to be under guard, but as Hal said, with three hours until leaving, how much harm could she do? Uh, the only reason I didn't make a dramatic ring here was because... <laughs> I felt bad also casting myself as Chalice because obviously I was going to. Obviously you were going to. We all Obviously did. I was going to. But she also does a weird accent thing and I was like, I don't think I can do that. I can't do accents <laughs> in my fucking life. Was it sharp and bitter? <laughs> no, it's worse. <laughs> I think it's, someone's she goes like through a like, I don't, sharp and I don't think there's anything this. worse than sharp Danny, and bitter. She goes through Danny. three accents. Danny, the way you're speaking now is sharp and bitter. <laughs> yeah, you are doing it right now. Oh, wait. Is sharp and bitter my natural state? <laughs> no, it's just when you're feeling sharp and bitter. Oh, Dan no. Danny's when sharp and bitter pearl. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, what you should think about next time you need to be sharp and bitter is how you felt about having to be sharp and bitter. <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> if only you know at the time. <laughs> wait, hang on. <laughs> bleeding roughneck till the end nah you yeah. lost it no? no that was, that was good. good I'm kidding that was good that was much closer yeah okay yeah. Danny splice that into the dramatic reading from 30 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> okay we're gonna power through this it wasn't Chalice's idea to have Namir come with them to the base she doesn't want Namir to hold a grudge <laughs> good luck she plans yeah. on never thinking about her once she's gone Chalice oh, thinks that that's, how that's not gonna happen that's not gonna happen <laughs> Chalice thinks that Hal believes Namir can learn something about from the trip, seeing the rebellion at its best. He wants mm. to help Namir learn hope, and Namir hadn't actually considered that this was about him. <laughs> Chalice sits, <laughs> Chalice sits at his table so and offers him it's advice. It's also funny because I feel like seeing the like the rebellion like head HQ is not seeing the rebel alliance at its best. No, especially right. not like, for they're Namir. They're a hot mess all the time. Yeah. Well, Hal what, can hope, I guess. What's Namir gonna learn on Hoth? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler! Oh god. <laughs> Chalice sits at his table and offers of advice, her accent changing as she speaks to him, to something that brings back memories of a world Namir hasn't seen in a long time. The accent has gone as quickly as it came. She's guessed that he's from one of the old Taiwanese colonial backwaters, so she can't exactly place his dialect. And she's echoing his dialect right now, just for the record. So he's from the middle of nowhere. So what? Uh, but the rebellion comes and gives him food and shelter, and he pledges his allegiance to his new saviors. He's climbed out of a pit that most people don't survive, and now he's so thankful for the scraps he has that he's forgotten how to strive for better. Namir is all sassy back at her, <laughs> better like a governor, like being stuck in an airlock. And she's like, yeah, okay, it hasn't been a great year for me. Just like, look, that's not my point. <laughs> Uh, I forgot her natural accent is a drawl, and oh my god, I love her so much. Like, she's got like a southern drawl or something. Oh my god. Just high key oh catering to Saf about all of this. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It also reminds me of that one Battlestar Galactica episode where uh, the doctor guy, I don't remember his name, the, the shitty dude, yeah, reveals his real accent, and I was like, oh, I'm suddenly very attracted to this man. 
And then it went away, and I was like, never mind. It's gone. It starts with a G, doesn't it? And it, that's not important. Keep going. Gideon? I don't know her. <laughs> no! <laughs> um, what does she say? Uh, Namir realizes the new accent isn't isn't put on it's actually her accent and for the first time he realizes she's not trying to manipulate him she needs the empire overthrown to get her life back and i'm just gonna read this because i'm too fucking stupid to summarize it um Mm -hmm. (laughs) um oh what the fuck was it page 132 yeah i know that the empire is oh shit okay i actually wrote that um They believe the Empire is squeezing more of its citizens every year for the benefit of a shrinking elite, taking away liberty and comfort from the masses to feed the insatiable appetite of the Emperor and the ruling council. That much is true, and I have the numbers to prove it. Where the rebellion deludes itself is in thinking the trend won't ever slow or stop. That the inevitable end is, here her voice took a tone of mock solemnity, utter desolation and hopelessness for every living being, save the Emperor himself. She was enjoying herself now, energized. They're so convinced of their righteousness that they don't see how unfeasible their nightmare scenario really is. The ruling council doesn't need stormtroopers overseeing every moisture farm or every habitable planet converted to a factory world. At a certain point, even Palpatine has to look at the Empire and say, good enough. <laughs> so that's that's really how it's going to be. Good Namira's like, enough. Namira's like, holy shit, this is the first conversation I've had in forever with someone who doesn't see the galaxy as an ideological background. Battleground. Then something clicks. She's lying about overthrowing the Empire. Twilight was useful for escaping Hydoral, but she'll abandon the Rebellion the first chance she gets. She says that's a possibility, but she belongs to the Alliance for now, and at least she has a goal, and maybe he should consider that. Maybe a goal is wow. good. Back to the Meditesu sector, 13 days before Plan K10. After a month aboard the Herald, <laughs> Tabor realizes her first impressions of it were unkind. Still, he hasn't hesitated to implement changes. He's walked the entire ship from bow to stern over the course of days, talking to everyone and asking them about their duties. What a good manager. Once oh, a week... Tabor. I love Tabor. Once a week, he joins them in the mess and discusses life with them. He reads their files himself, not trusting the, prelate, the prelate's assessment of the troops. Wow. He's, like, following all the good management practices. Yeah, oh. if only the whole Empire was like that, huh? Hmm. I bet hmm. Captain Kennedy was... Oh, you know Captain Kennedy yeah. dude knew all of his officers yeah. by name. Absolutely. Yeah, Tabor and Kennedy would have been good friends, I think. Yeah. And, like, gave them one, like, had weekly one-on-one meetings with all of his direct reports. <sighs> I miss Kennedy. Me too. And, like, <laughs> gave them all strikes finders and helped helped to identify, like, professional development opportunities that were, like, most in line with their areas of growth. Ugh, I love that. I miss oh, that. I miss him. I miss him so much. <laughs> In the end, he finds that it's a dutiful crew that has lost its way. Good folks who don't know what to believe anymore. That doesn't dis- that does destroy a soldier, and there's little he can do about it. The blame is squarely on Prelate Verge, whom he'd also misjudged. Despite his lack of military experience, he is brilliant and fiercely charismatic. He's sincere when he promises Lieutenant Cortorel that he'll make sure his family will be protected from rebels, and he analyzes scenarios in the tactical center faster than Tabor can follow. But that's balanced out by Verge being a little fucking shit. <laughs> True. <laughs> the sixth night of Tabor's time aboard- We, we all know a person in our workplace. Yep. Oh, we, that's me. No, I'm kidding. It's not me. I'm not that smart. I'm not that smart. The sixth night of Tabor's time aboard the Herald, the prelate had thrown an impromptu gala filled with people seemingly drawn from a random lot. 
an hour into the gala, Verge explains the purpose of it. An officer had failed to report a sighting of Chalice over Coyote in a timely fashion, not wanting to wake Verge and not trusting that the information was accurate. This cannot be forgiven by Verge. A stormtrooper produces an electrical baton, and Verge announces that everyone at the party has the privilege of administrating punishment. <laughs> oh, I forgot what fucking Verge's voice sounds like. <sighs> Isn't he a little if bitch? He, if he lives, he will return to duty a chastened man. A better man. I didn't have to read that in his voice. Then Verge left the gala, and the attendees had done what was expected of them. And Tabor had slept argument, poorly that night. very much did. I very yeah, much did. You really had to. <laughs> and Tabor had slept poorly that night. Tabor is getting old. If, if nobody has any reading literacy, uh, all of the other people beat this guy up because Verge told them to. Uh, Tabor is horrifying. <laughs> Tabor is getting old. Oh, this poor man. And even as he adjusts the ship's gravity, he's still awake and sore and cramped. Big mood. He misses the range of tea available at Karita Academy, and he oh. finds himself increasing the size of text on data pads. Bless this old guy. But his mental fortitude hasn't been affected. He has seen worse than this. But how can a crew function when its commander is Verge? Tabor just wants to go home, which is why you pour so much energy into voting a rapport with troops and trying to help morale. The sooner they find Chalice, the sooner he can leave. When they learn that Chalice's ship is leaking a particle trail, Tabor becomes convinced that victory is just around the corner. And then they hear about the raid. Tabor has to tear the officers out for Twilight getting away with their raid, though he tries to make it clear to them that he's mostly venting and he's not placing more blame on them. Surprisingly, he finds Verge smiling, almost amused. Finding the particle trail was a stroke of luck, he says, but wars aren't won through luck. They discuss what Chalice and the rebels will do next, now that they need to go in for repairs. After a while, Tabor points out that they're approaching the problem wrong. Clearly, they don't know where the ship or the rebel base are, but there will be a lot of other rebel ships needing repairs now after the mid-rim retreat. Verge clearly catches Tabor's intent. The hunt is on. I truly do not know what his intent is right now. Because <laughs> I am not that smart. <laughs> Planet none Hoth. of us are like Verge. <laughs> none of us are like Verge. Planet Hoth, what a shock. Who could have seen this coming? Oh, oh no. my gosh. Oh my hey, God. I know that planet. Well, yeah. I've heard of that one. <laughs> 11 days before plan K10. Namir has not dressed for the cold and it fucking sucks. Ch- <laughs> Chalice takes back her defection. Vader can just kill her now. <laughs> Namir should have listened to Rogue Podrin. One of our very first episode titles is about wearing pants when you go to Hoth. Yeah, fucking Namir. What are you doing without your pants? Now I'm just picturing Leave Namir in like a Hawaiian shirt and sh- and cargo shorts. <laughs> and Chalice like just looking, Chalice just like, Vader, just kill me now, oh my god. Kill, kill me now. <laughs> uh, it's taken them a while to get to Echo Base. Hal had to program the shuttle to follow routes provided by coded messages from the Alliance, taking them into the waste of the Outer Rim and through the Anoat Sector, which is just a shout out to Uprising, which was a fun game. Chalice has spent her time reading classical fiction from Hal's library, of course he has classical fiction, or working on her schematic. Hal and Beak become hollow chess partners, which pisses the mirror off. And he's like, please goddamn mute that game. Rohal wanted to chat to everyone, and Namir has just turned the engineering room into an exercise room to work himself into exhaustion. Big mood. <laughs> Huge mood. <laughs> Namir is a mood. 
A lot of like quarantine coping strategies coming out in these chapters. Right, yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> too real, too real. Keep going. Oh god, okay, Vader okay. Here is all of us. He's pleased Vader, to find the now. soldiers. <laughs> the soldiers at the rural place aren't complacent and useless. General Philette Bygar, I love that name. And Hal introduce introduces he greets them and Hal introduces Governor Evali Chalice, extraordinary artist, gracious guest of the 61st Mobile Infantry, and former emissary to the Imperial Ruling Council. That bitch. <laughs> I love her titles. <laughs> Chalice makes a joke about a handshake being awkward because she's handcuffed. <laughs> Bygar just tells her that the Alliance does believe in redemption, but they still need to be cautious. Bygar thanks Fair and enough. praises Twilight, which surprises Namir. Because he's like, wait, you appreciate us? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Someone being nice to me? What is this? Run away, run away, run away. Him being nice is not necessary because Bygar doesn't actually need to impress Hal, which means that's at least in part sincere praise. Namir mm. feels appreciation and resentment because he doesn't know how to deal with that. <laughs> oh, Namir. Oh, Namir. For such oh, an unlikable boy. character, I really love him. He's endearing in his unlikability. <laughs> Chalice catches his glance and smirks in a way that might as well be a wink. Bygar drops his formality and informs him all that the cold never really gets comfortable, but they'll learn to live with it. Namir hopes he doesn't have to stay that long because he aches for the thunderstrike. Not comfortable, but livable becomes Namir's mantra over the following days. Hal and Chalice Ugh. whipped off to high command. Yeah, it's a mood. <laughs> Rohan That's a beat. quarantine mood. <laughs> yeah. Roha and Beak get get reassigned, and Namir even accepts reassignment to stay busy. Echo Base is comfortably ramshackle, familiar to Namir and how it reflects the rebellion he knows. Everyone at Echo Base is less familiar, though. Their gear is a grade above what Twilight ever has, and when the Quartermaster gives Namir an A280 combat rifle for patrol, Namir strokes the barrel with awe. Oh, buddy. There's a uniformity and orderliness here that emphasizes rank and hierarchy, which reminds Namir of stories Charmer had told about the Imperial Academy. Turns out it's because about a third of Echo Base's personnel are defected Imperial cadets. Another third went through Alliance Special Forces training, like Crindle, the guy explaining all of this to Namir as they do grunt work. Crindle says that training was four months of misery, but the most important months of his life. He tries to convince Namir to sign up for it, and Namir is absolutely not interested at all. <laughs> No. Two ships arrive at base on Namir's third day. The identities of the passengers are classified, but there are rumors about a highly placed Bothan spy's involvement. <laughs> <laughs> Vader, kill me now! Vader, kill me now! We can't escape the Bothans, can we? We can't, no even matter. in Twilight Company. <laughs> even, even in fucking Twilight Company. Rogue Padron will never escape the Bothans. <laughs> <sighs> They're clearly here for the strate strategy <clears throat> I can say this. They're yep. clearly here for the strategy conference. What an exciting conference. Which is the topic dominating the base. Everything is rife with hope and rumor, and Namir cannot relate. <laughs> <laughs> Such an asshole. I love him, but he's... Yep. I love him. <laughs> this poor pessimistic boy. He doesn't get a chance to speak to Chalice until the end of their first week there, where he runs into her in a corridor, where she has no escort nor handcuffs. She received a pardon for her past deeds in exchange for agreeing not to seek official power in any post-war government. He's like, no, oh, you've got listen, my- Wait, wait. 
for not seeking official power, which means that she could just do it under capitalism like everybody else does. <laughs> yeah, but they don't have a problem with that. Mm. They're not thinking about that right now. Mon Moth was mm. just in the corner like, if I can't see it, it doesn't involve me. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to think about Chalice too much. Uh, he's like, you've got my full support as long as it keeps you out of Twilight. Nice. On the Thunderstrike, military rations are... Militarily speaking, a luxury, but they're all there is to eat on Hoth, which is too damn cold to grow anything. Namir obviously prefers to eat alone or with Roha and Bink, despite how much they praise the base. Roha has grown co- close with the technicians, and Bink intends to join the Alliance Special Forces. But today his comrades are nowhere to be found, and there are no empty tables, so he sits with Grindel. Grindel is talking about how surely soon they'll reach Coruscant and overthrow the Empire. And Namir is tired and grumpus, so he tears the idea apart. What is is the Alliance going to do when they reach Coruscant? The war is going to be bloody and long, and, like, Coruscant's pretty well protected, so are the people really going to want to, like, help the rebellion? Namir can't help himself. He just really can't at this point. So he tells Krindle what he thinks is really going to happen. The Alliance will fall apart without any real victory in sight. Everyone wants to come out on top, and the moment the Empire is weakened, a bunch of rebel factions will turn on one another. He incorrectly explains that after the Clone Wars were won and the Empire took power, other leaders just missed their chance to grab power and started a rebellion instead. And oh boy, buddy, that is not what happened. <laughs> that is not what happened, my Bail guy. Organa has entered the chat. Oh. <laughs> read a history book, Listen, Namir. I, I don't know think Namir can read. Namir, yeah, Namir can't read. Namir is from some right. backwater planet that this was probably fact. So. I think they were probably on a separatist planet to begin with, so like, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> the propaganda god probably did not help. No. A woman with Crindle tells him that he's wrong. He's never met the princess or General Reken. They don't want to grab power. And Namir doesn't know when to call it quits. Hey Ash, you want to read this bit? Uh, yeah. If you really think those people are heroes, you're deluding yourself. Darth Vader's own stormtroopers are praising in the same way. Oof. Oh. <laughs> Crindle throws the first punch, and Namir laughs as more people join the brawl, knowing oh he God. cannot win. Namir! <laughs> Namir! He comes out this of the fight with not, a broken nose. This is not healthy coping strategies. <laughs> no. <laughs> he leaves the fight with a broken nose, an extremely bruised hip, and the knuckles of his left hand aching. Wait, is he left handed? Because that's nice. He, yeah. Yeah, uh, that caught just, me. Just just for punching, specifically. Yeah. I mean, I am ambidextrous, and sometimes I do use my left hand for things like punching. Sometimes You're ambidextrous? I'm, I'm ambidextrous. <gasps> Ash, what the fuck? <laughs> wow, you are Okay, but Ash, which hand do you favor for punching? <laughs> my left hand. <laughs> Holy I can answer that question because I was in karate. I'm so... <laughs> I yeah, feel like that's no, no, not just because you like punching. No, it's okay. I was like, I have zero follow-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, General General Philip Bygar isn't mad, just disappointed. Mm-hmm. He gives Namir the most demeaning assignment as punishment: lugging shipping crates across the hangar, slipping across puddles of ice. At least he doesn't have to speak to anyone, though. That it's not actually so as much punishment as Bylar as Bygar hopes. One of the rebel ships. Ship captains ask Namir what happened to him. The captain has brown hair, light skin, wears no rank insignia, and is maybe a decade older than Namir. Wait, now how young is Namir? <laughs> He's a youngin. He's young. 
He's a babe. He's, he's a like baby. 19. Yeah, he's like a kid. What the fuck? Yeah. There's this thing with like Star Wars books it, when it bothers me when they don't specify how old someone is. Like I spent the majority of Aftermath going, wait, is it weird that Nora Wexley and Wedge Antilles are a thing? How old is Wedge Antilles? <laughs> a little bit. Oh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Great question. But like also, how on earth does the galaxy have like a standardized aging mechanism? Right, yeah. Like, Fair how enough. on earth do you keep track of that? They do. They have standard years and like galactic standard time. I know they time. do, but that's like if you think about it, every planet is probably rotating at a different rate and like they just have they have to keep track of based off of what Coruscant is doing. Like that I mean, no, so they confusing. have they have local time and then standard and time. And they have standard time, yeah. In the right, same way that we have ages- green greenwich mean time or greenwich mean time, whatever the fuck it's called. GMT. Like, basically, if you lived on a planet that is in Coruscant, your birthday is going to be a different day every single year, because it's based off of the Coruscant year, not based off of your planet's rotation around the sun. Well, I imagine yeah. they also have, like, local birthdays, but who knows? Let's not think about that. We just never talk about it. Yeah, we just don't talk about it. <laughs> Two birthdays. I doubt Namir even knows when his birthday is, so, you know, let's just not, let's not yeah. remind him. Namir's like, right. I don't yeah, want to be reminded of my birth at all, so. <laughs> I apologize, <laughs> <Yeah>. Namir. <laughs> completely deadpan namir tells the guy that special forces goons take the rebellion seriously the captain cracks a smile and goes back to repairs i like this guy namir starts to sweat as the droids no namir starts to swear at the droids as a way to vent his anger because they have no recourse but to observe the verbal assaults namir what the fuck yeah namir's a piece of shit (sighs) <sighs> Namir encounters the freighter pilot again later in the evening when he brings a bin of mechanical parts for repairs over to the ship. Uh, we're not discussing this. It's not happening. Uh, did you know that I did not realize this was meant to be Han until Megan or Paul mentioned it on a podcast? Are you for real? <laughs> I had no fucking idea this was Han. Saf- Are you for Middle real? name Saffington. <laughs> I'm for real. I did not realize. Oh my god. Someone mentioned, they were like, oh yeah, when Han turns off a Twilight Company, and I was like, wait, what the fuck? When is Han and Twilight Company? When Han does what Twilight Company? <laughs> Namir they talks to Han? They say the word Han, just... Freighter like 37 times yeah. in this section. Like, also, Corellian also. Freighter. Han and Namir hang out drinking Corellian whiskey. Right. I, f- I feel like we should point out the note that says, I want to make this a dramatic reading, but we're going to force Ash to play Namir and Han discuss. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like... <laughs> I was like, I've done this enough times. I'm like, I don't want to do this to Ash. So kind. (laughs) Plus, their voices are pretty much exactly the same. I was thinking about that. I was like, they have the same voice. This is not fair on Ash. We can't do this. We can't do it. (laughs) See, Han and Namir hang out drinking whiskey. They chat about the rebellion and fighting and how Namir is even more cynical than Han. How long will everyone else here put up with Namir and Han's type when the war's over? Namir is honest with Han. The moment the war ends, Namir's got nothing. He prefers the idea that it'll go on forever. Ash, this is for you. As Han. If it's a job, then it doesn't matter. And neither do... Th- no, Ash, as Han, not Namir. <laughs> Stop. That was her Han. <laughs> that was my Han. My Namir's a little bit more grumpy. Yeah, I can tell the difference. Thank you, I, Saf. I I just, <laughs> you're welcome. I was just being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, Danny, you're stealing my thing. Sorry. <laughs> if it's a job then it doesn't matter neither do they you do what's right for you you tell them what they want to hear and you move on when the job's done otherwise it's more than a job they deserve better if you can't get behind what they believe in maybe it's time to walk away 
In response, Ooh, Namiya. That's Ooh. like the Han Solo-iest Han Solo yeah. has ever Han Solo. Ooh, yeah. you're starting to care, Han Solo. Oh, Han's starting Whoa. to care. He's in the second movie now that I haven't seen. He's starting to care. <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't realize it was, was Han, because I haven't Maybe. fucking seen you it. You know what? That's why. Because you didn't know Hoth was, uh, no, Han was on Hoth. Yeah, I like it makes sense. I wouldn't realize. Okay, okay, I'm less mad at you now. Yeah, no, it makes sense now. It makes sense yeah. now. Uh, oh, God, I hate myself sometimes. <laughs> he thought about You're right over there. Okay, yeah, we're gonna. This is this is Namir's thinking. He thought about Brandon Charmer and Gadrin and Roach and Ajax and Victorin and the Comtech who died on a, a surface. The woman whose name Namir had pledged to forget. He even thought about Roha and Beak and cursed them for traitors under his breath. They were Twilight soldiers, and they should have loathed Echo Base as much as him. But they didn't, because they were also rebel soldiers. And so were Brand and Charmer and Gadrin and Roach. So was the Comtic beneath it all. The freighter captain was right. They deserve better. I, I'm just a sucker for, like, bits of books where they list names like that. Oh god, I love it. <laughs> Very specific thing to love, but I love it. Namir wakes the next day in a storage unit, clutching a whiskey bottle to his chest and completely hungover because he drank a lot. Upon locating the duty roster, he's fine. He's back on perimeter patrol. He spends his time dwelling on the conversation from last night. In the evening, Beak and Roha find him and joke about the incompetence of the base troops and make fun of Alliance special forces. They don't explain their change of heart. They just reminisce about Twilight. Namir makes himself smile and enjoy the lies for one night. Namir, they're trying to be nice to you for fuck's sake. No! <laughs> no one's allowed to be nice to me! Oh my god. I'm Namir! <laughs> Then one day, he's summoned to a meeting with Hal and Chalice. The strategy conference is over. Namir and Hal are going back to Twilight, while Chalice remains here. The Alliance has a goal, and Twilight needs to get ready for its part. Except, Chalice asks Namir if he wants to stay with her as part of her own staff. There aren't many people she can trust not to stab her in the back, and Namir's one of them. He has until tomorrow to decide. Namir opens. Oh, good. Hopefully, nothing huge or significant happens tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> or even before tomorrow. Namir opens his mouth to respond when a soldier bursts into the room. The Empire has found them. It's time for Plan K10. Total evacuation. The Ikala sister, sit in there. The Ikala sector, not a system. Two days before Plan K10, so we're zooping back in time a couple days. The Thunderstrike and Apollana's promise. Have safety ronde safely rendezvoused with the rebel flotilla, flotilla, flotilla. That's a cool word. And repairs are underway. The soldiers have nothing to do, and Brand is restless because she's fucking bored. <laughs> Gadrin invites her to come with another quarantine mood. Yeah, another quarantine mood. <laughs> Gadrin invites her to come with him and Roach to visit the Six Moon, but she's not keen on interacting with strangers. Also a mood. She does respect Gadrin, but the way he tries to be close with the squad bothers her. Usually he's bothering Namir instead, but Namir's not here, so she kind of has to take the brunt of it. Yep. <laughs> she keeps up a routine to keep herself safe. Staying busy is a trick she learned from her four months in a detention center. <laughs> Namir and Brand are way too relatable, and I hate it. She's negotiating for grenades when the Thunderstrike's klaxons go off, and the ship's thrusters come to life. She slips into a lift behind Von Gies to get info. He doesn't want to tell her because she's not, like, cleared for it, but she's, like, she, like, just glares at him until he eventually relents and tells her that another ship has arrived. <laughs> Who Damn, can resist? Geese, Nobody roll over. <laughs> I mean, it's Brand glaring at you. I think that's plenty. Yeah. Probably fucking defeat Vader with that shit. Uh, the new ship has no life support. 
So Thunderstrike is taking on the survivors. Bran sticks with Von Gies, preferring caution. She wants to make sure he doesn't get killed. As the injury, as the injured crew of the damaged ship get carted across, she can tell that something's wrong, though she's not sure what. But now, she has something to focus on. Great. What a great exchange for your restlessness, Brand. <laughs> <sighs> yep. Yep. She's doing fine. They're all doing fine. It's fine. Are they? <laughs> it's fine. They're all perfectly well-adjusted human beings. I don't know what you're talking about, Meg. Yeah, it's fine. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know who else is perfectly adjusted human beings? Our listeners. Are they though? And speaking of crabs, um... <laughs> Speaking of crabs. Yeah, the thought of our listeners being well-adjusted is pretty hilarious. I mean, they're listening to us. Given how they've chosen to spend the last hour and 23 minutes of their lives. Yeah. Mistakes were made. (laughs) We love you very much. We love you. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Unconditionally. Yeah, Yeah, unconditionally, I love you all. Um, Okay, so last week's Glister question was, how did you join Twilight Company? And we need to answer this, because we did not. The same way I join anything, by complete fucking accident. I was I just about to like, say. Yeah, I just wandered in one day, and they're like, here's a gun. Do you want to fight the Empire? And I was like, yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. Is there food? And they're like, yeah, sometimes. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Knowing me, I definitely just got peer pressured into it and was too awkward to say that I didn't want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I uh like I was I was sit- laying awake in bed one night just like thinking about how I'd grown really bored of the last hobby that I picked up which was like steel mining and that was like you know almost a week that I'd been doing that and I was ready to try something new and so like I was I was googling um Twilight Company and and like accidentally joined it by the time I got there I'd already moved on and was kind of over it so that was kind of sad. Oh no. Um, I saw that all my dumb kids joined, so I had to as well. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta protect these dumb kids. I gotta protect my dumb kids. Yeah, you had to be the Namir coming in and be like, yep. fucking hell. God damn it. Hassan <laughs> <laughs> uh, said the reason I joined Twilight Company is to travel and see other species, planet systems, and help whomever and wherever it's needed, and to take out Stormies with my sniper rifle. Also to bring freedom to the galaxy and see Sheev's face when we win. Nice. Dang. I don't, I don't ever want to see Sheeb's face. Yeah, I just... <laughs> Win or Sheeb's lose. Sheeb's face is never a motivation for me to do anything. Yeah. Uh, raising, fa- uh, raising Fangirls said, How did I join Twilight Company? I showed off my glistening pecs. Everyone's like, Whoa, you're so well bathed. Wow, those are so <laughs> glistening. Uh, X Wangs in history. <laughs> <laughs> I joined Twilight Company because this. Sp- God damn it! <laughs> this. Sp- this. Sp- <laughs> tag. All right, I'll I'll tag and fresh on this one. <laughs> X Wangs in history said, "I joined Twilight Company because the Spademocrats' answer to the Emperor building a Death Star was to suggest a tax credit and Cobra extension for surviving Alderanians, and I realized that shooting people next to a giant basilisk was going to be way more effective." After making this proposal, Senator Spuck Chuumer launched into a speech about the importance of civility during these trying times. His speech was cut short when stormtroopers marched into the Senate and brutally executed all the remaining senators. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. Oh, so good. Spuck Chuumer. 
<laughs> dinner leader said, why did I join Twilight Company? Well, there I was in the middle of a court. What the hell? <laughs> a Coriurdi orgy, barbecue sauce on my titties, but seriously, I bet student debt collectors in the empire are really awful. So I'm sure I'd rather live on a cramped Corellian Corvette and shoot bad guys till I die than deal with that bullshit. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm still laughing. It's been I don't, I don't remember the barbecue sauce at the Coyote. I don't orgy. either. I was like, is we that didn't. We didn't you? visit. We didn't visit the Coyote orgy. So orgy, orgy. So we don't. We don't know that there wasn't barbecue sauce. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Is it pronounced orgy? No, it's, it's not. It's not. I don't know why I said that. I, I'm just sitting here in kind of like a dumbfounded mood right now. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay, Tom the fanboy said I've been driving around a dry, a dry. I've been. I had been driving a ground transport for an imperial contractor. Twilight Company jumped in the back and told me to drive. I drove them onto their ship, locked myself in the cab. You take the vehicle, you get the driver. That's why my rebel name is Adam. <laughs> this is a reference to something, but I don't know why. I don't know what it's. Uh, it's a reference to Adam Driver. Adam Driver. I oh! <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I just had to explain that joke to 50% of Rogue Podrid. <laughs> uh, okay, I dig it now that I get it. Oh my god. Do you? <laughs> Okay, that makes 25% of Rogue Potter that digs this response. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ross, <laughs> Ross said, I would almost certainly join Twilight Company because were I to end up in a war zone, I would be a squishy student with no skills, and they would probably have food and a way out of that particular hell. Alternatively, I had a friend mm. whose name spelled out Skywalker, and hell yeah, I would want to do that until I realized that it invites nothing but galaxy-destroying drama. <laughs> yeah very relatable mm -hmm. yubsy said i joined twilight company because that explosion at the university chemistry building was someone else's fault but the empire isn't famed for being very understanding <laughs> was it somebody else's fault yeah somebody else's fault up makes it seem like maybe it's not someone else's fault yeah yeah yubsy i don't know <laughs> you might want to get a lawyer don't need a lawyer when you got twilight company that's fair fair, fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't need a lawyer when you have Gadrin. <laughs> Malai said, why did I join Twilight Company? Well, someone wants to... <laughs> God damn it. You, the... <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boss. Why do I have this job? I'm so bad at it. <laughs> What's... To make you better at it. <laughs> well, somebody once told me the world was gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L, uh, an L on her forehead. The years start coming and they don't stop. <laughs> Should I have sang that? And I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense. Probably. Not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets numb. So much to do, so much to, so much see. to see. I was lying in the back street. I'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> You never shine if you don't glow. <laughs> anyway, this week's question is, what's your favorite example of crab in imagery in the Star Wars song? Crab in imagery. Uh, but also, I would like to give a glistening body to X-Wangs in history for that uh, for use of spidemocrats. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> excellent. 
and very scathing commentary on on current events. Yeah, I'm gonna give mine to Yubsy because I don't want them to not be responsible for blowing up something near me. <laughs> uh, I hate that I'm doing this again, but I'm giving mine to dinner later. <laughs> I hate that I'm doing this. Oh, that's so funny because I hate that you're doing that again too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I... What the fuck is this dinner? I'm gonna give mine to Ross because it's relatable as hell. Mm. Mm. Yeah, fair That's enough. Fair. All right, so we're talking about crabs this week. Yeah, just like what is your favorite example of of crab imagery in Star Wars? You can we make can it up. We won't know. Wars you want? We won't know the difference. Oh no, no, no! I, I want real know. answers only. There's there's know. so much crab imagery to choose from throughout the entirety of Star the, Wars. The, Why do they need to make something? The up? little like mandrels on Plo Koon's face. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> A plus, a plus, a plus. Um, you know what? I looked up crabs. Are mine. I looked up crabs as Star Wars just to like, because I was curious. And Aftermath, first mentioned. Aftermath Life Debt, mentioned only. Aftermath Empire's End, mentioned only. Why were crabs? Okay, for one thing, <laughs> the first, why were crabs in Aftermath? You know I haven't read Aftermath. Why were they mentioned in every single book of that trilogy? Also, the first appearance of crabs in Star Wars was Adventures in Wild Space, The Steel. Oh, this is canon. I've got to click on Legends. Oh, there's way more My favorite crab thing is Akbar's forearms. Yeah, makes sense. They're really good. I'm going to need some crab research for this one, so I'll get back to you next week. Yeah. Oh, this is me now. Hit us up on Twitter with your answers at RoguePodron. Our email is RoguePodron at gmail.com. Our website is roguepodron.com. <clears throat> Convince Heath to come back to us by supporting us on Patreon. Please. Aww. We miss him so goddamn much. Aww. That's going to get a lot of Patreon subscribers. It's freaking better. <laughs> you can subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash roguepodron. Subscribe via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, Google, any of your favorite podcatchers, and rate and review us on iTunes. Please. We love them. We actually have reviews this week. It's very exciting. Yeah. 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 So we have a five-star review from Kitch22. Hello, Kitch22. We love you. Aww, oh, I just got the name. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's not real. They're in our... Oh, have I gotten it before on the podcast and then forgotten about that? Because that is also possible. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Let us know, wiki team. (laughs) Yub yub, rogue leader. This is the only Star Wars podcast I know of that, at different points, is equally capable of making you laugh until you cry or cry until you laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly the latter. Okay, yeah. And either way, being exactly what you needed, and often didn't even know what you needed in the moment. The back catalogue is great for an irreverent look at a beloved le- irreverent <laughs> look at a beloved legend series, whose qualifications are a bit more, shall we say, slender when approached with a modern viewpoint. But the new episodes show that a book club can transcend its material to find its own voice and build its own community. As cliche as it has become to say, the real rogues and race are the friends that we've made along the way. Aww. The perfect <laughs> podcast to listen to while driving to the bone market, wearing all black with an Ewok doll on your lap to fool any actor impersonating a Baron you may encounter en route, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. While, savoring, while savoring a weekend, you pick two. Or while snuggled up with a body pillow depicting your particular choice of aquatic species. That's me. 
perhaps not recommended for lunchtime listening at your workplace. From experience, your reactions will prompt startled responses, though nothing compared to how coworkers would react if they were listening along themselves. As I wish I was brave enough to say as I was disconnecting from my last conference call, Pash out. What a beautiful. <laughs> I'm giving that review five stars because it was a beautiful that, that review. That review absolutely gets five stars. Hmm. Also, I want every one of our listeners to start saying pash out at the end of their conference Yes, calls. pash Hell out. Yeah. Pash out. Pash out. And then we have another one from Mike <laughs> Website Cooper. The Bird Corpse of Podcasts. Five stars. Five stars would definitely store in a paper bag in my freezer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Coop. We would love to the be highest your praise. Freezer. Thank you, Coop. You know what? Both of those reviews hold equal weight. <laughs> they really and do. One, one was written lovingly with lots of detail and great compliments, and one was written probably while drunk on a bet on a Friday night. <laughs> my favorite thing and about both this of them gave us an equal number of stars. Yeah, my favorite thing about this is anyone reading these two reviews together would get a very good picture of what we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. So thank you for those reviews. Uh, I, so I would say the podcast is our new uh, Twitter bio <laughs> as it should be I would say thank you listeners for these responses but I know Coop does not listen to us so thank you <laughs> for that review <laughs> uh, if you also have nice things to say about us or mean things to say about us I guess just be nice about it uh, you can review us on iTunes give us five stars please we are hungry oh my god we have ten whole stars this week to eat oh my god, oh my god. So many stars. amazing I thought you said we had three three Danny? No, just two. Danny just said we had so many. I think you assumed that meant we had three, but two is honestly a lot for us. (laughs) Uh, You know. Three. Also, if the rest of this quarantine is anything to go by, like, I'm going to have eaten all my stars by the end of tonight. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to ration these. Yeah. No. We are feasting tonight. We are feasting tonight. All right. Well, join us next time for Battlefront for Rogue Padron. Wait, Star Wars, Battlefront, Twilight Company, Rogue Padron Company, chapters 14 through 20. And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 Cool. Okay, we're going until the end of Gadron being like, it's okay. We'll get there. Okay. It's not very long. We're going until the part where we get to it. Don't worry. It'll be fine. We'll be good. It'll be fine. Everyone have fun with this. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. I take this pretty seriously. (laughs) Don't we all? I take my Gadron voice extremely seriously. You should. At least Gadron isn't sharp and bitter. God, that's just like an unsolvable voice actor puzzle right there. (laughs)